All your favorite CBC podcasts are now available on YouTube. The best in award-winning true crime investigations, hilarious comedies, vibrant pop culture conversations, and even more audio series are all available on CBC Podcast's YouTube channel. You'll also find exclusive video first episodes, YouTube shorts, and behind-the-scenes content from our hosts and producers that you can't find anywhere else. So if YouTube is your go-to source for podcasts, just search CBC Podcasts and hit subscribe, and you'll never miss the latest update. This is a CBC Podcast. Listen, I'm used to year-end lists. I love year-end lists. But what I still haven't gotten used to is a former president of the United States listening to the same songs as me. Like, Obama and I both love British rapper Central C. That's weird to me. Today on the podcast, how did Barack Obama become a cultural force? I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. This is Commotion. It has been seven years since Barack Obama left the White House, and often you see presidents who focus on charitable work or maybe take up a hobby, like painting, like painting so much that it makes you go, the guy who started the Iraq war is painting portraits now? Some presidents enjoy the relaxing pastime of appearing in a courtroom a lot, but those are not the choices of Barack Obama. Obama really is a cultural force. He won an Emmy Award on Saturday for outstanding narration of a documentary. It's not even his first Emmy. His production company, Higher Ground, has been making acclaimed movies lately, including Rustin, American Symphony, and Leave the World Behind. And, of course, there are his year-end lists, his favorite movies, his favorite books, his favorite music, which this year ran the gamut from Mitski to Megan Thee Stallion. Jennifer Zahn wrote about Obama's cultural output and input for Vulture recently. And we've got NPR's TV critic Eric Deggins here. Eric, Jennifer, welcome to the show. How's it going? Going great. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy that you guys are here. Jennifer, what stood out for you about this year's list from Obama? Um, I think the internet definitely latched on to the fact that Oppenheimer made the list, but Barbie didn't. I know that was like a big, big thing this summer. And, um, but yeah, I, I also know, you know, he had to note his little bias um, for films from his own production company that he put <laughs> on the list. Uh, but honestly, I can't say that anything like stunned me too much. I think in general, his lists consistently do represent like, different genres, different demographics, and also come from like pretty consistently diverse group of creatives every year. So Mm -hmm. you always kind of do expect, oh, he's going to have something that like might appeal to Gen Z and then also like to older, older people. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's something kind of vaguely democratic about it. There's something that there's something for everybody on those lists. Eric has been sharing these lists since his last year in office. If we're talking about his musical picks in particular, do they reveal something to you about his character or how he wants to be seen and positioned? It's something that surprised you, that makes you go, oh, does he, is this, does he, is this really how he wants to be known? Well, no, what I would say about Obama, and, and I, I'm assuming you meant small D Democratic, <laughs> not, not Democratic Party. Yes. But um, uh, the, the thing about Obama is he's like that really cool uncle who sees everything, sees everything in pop culture, knows all the, the coolest songs, uh, is, is watching all the hippest movies mm. and is, is conversant with all the hippest streaming and, and then talks to you about it on your level. And, and, and so I think the, the thing that's interesting to me about Obama 
is that he is so conversant with pop culture. Mm -hmm. We are not used to seeing this in presidents because most of the presidents that we've had uh, have been older, uh, especially since uh, Bill Clinton's era. And and well, you know, I forget, I'm forgetting George W. Bush, uh, you know, for many reasons. But, <laughs> uh, you know, these these are presidents that have often seemed detached from pop culture and yes. their connection to it is to sort of make fun of their distance from it because they're they're politicians and they they act as if they inhabit a different world. Yeah. Uh Barack Obama I think is our most pop culture savvy president certainly in modern times even more than Bill Clinton. Um rather than being someone who sort of reflected and bounced off pop culture, he was immersed in it even when he was president. Mm -hmm. He you know when he when he um spoke during the White House Correspondents' Dinner, he was as funny as the comics that they brought in to be the entertainment yeah. Uh he could act. He 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 always was conversant in in rap and 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 more popular, you know, breaking forms of music than than anyone yeah. even in his generation. And he also has this uh, this this image of sort of being the the ultimate um the ultimate sort of upper class black person. <laughs> you know, he can he can he can talk about rap but he's he's also very fond of um you know Beyonce and he's also very fond of Prince. Yes. So, you know, he can he can bridge a lot of different generations even among black people. Uh, yeah. his his picks. And so that's so, why I think people pay attention to what he's doing. So I want to talk about those picks. You know, uh, Jennifer last year Hassan Minhaj really put Obama on the spot. Let's take a moment to listen to that exchange. I need you to look me in the eyes. Yes. And be honest with me. Always. Mr. President, when you do your end of the year lists, yes. do you really read all those books, watch all those shows, and listen to all those songs? I do. Listen, <laughs> no, no, you don't. I am Look, so glad that I had this opportunity. Please. People, they, they, they believe the, the books and the movies, but the playlists... They somehow think, and this is mostly coming from young people like you. Yeah. Somehow y'all think you invented rock and roll. <laughs> you invented hip hop. Okay. People seem to think, well, he must have had some 20-year-old intern who, who was figuring out, uh -huh. you know, uh, this latest cut. No, man. It's on my iPad right now. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer is Obama. Let me just say, I agree. Uh, I feel that's me. <laughs> Come on, though. Like, is, Jennifer is Obama right now in the crib? You know, making lunch, listening to Mitski. Is that what I'm supposed to believe right now? Do you believe him? I here's the thing. I think so. Elsewhere in that in that same interview that we just listened to, he says he does admit, like, I do take suggestions, but like. Mm stands by like I do read this and watch all of these things so I think that's actually like pretty illuminating because if you look at it like you know he has 20 something songs on these lists like 15 books do I believe that he could read 15 books in a year like sure a lot of people of read that many books in a year yeah but I think what's implied like when you make these kinds of lists is that you are consuming a lot more than that because these are like your favorites these are like your picks that you're mm. curating so you know he always comes out with these lists that you know represent different genres they're like like you said before like they seem like intentionally like almost like there were focus groups on how can we hit on <laughs> each of these things so it's like do i think he's keeping up with 
all of these trends like every week is he tuning in for new and rising artists reading like these different books and watching all the films that are coming out so that at the end of the year he comes together I don't know that seems like a big ask to me um but if I'm thinking okay he's like admitting to like having maybe a team that like sends him like I think you might like this then it seems like Hmm. that's a bit more doable I mean there's a reason that like there are full-time critics who do this kind of thing so long answer (laughs) but I think that you know he his name is associated with these lists so he has a reason to like want to make sure that nothing he hates is on here I do think that it's reasonable to think that he listens to everything on the lists, but like some of that legwork behind it, I do think he gets help with that. And that's okay. Yeah, but you know what you know what it is that makes people go, I don't know if he's really listening to those songs, Eric, is like the idea that, you know, is Obama listening to Toxic Stra- Toxic Trait by Stormzy? I don't know if he is. I I can't imagine a context in real life where Barack Obama is like being ferried to an event and he's got like his AirPods in and he's listening to water by tyla i don't i don't see that <laughs> happening i don't see that happening because like those songs I, I are so new more. You issue an obama, an obama issue? okay tell uh, me tell me I about mean, that why is that a me issue? i mean let, i mean seriously you know yeah um there's no evidence that he's not doing this that's true <laughs> you know? i mean be, you know just because it i mean again that's why we're paying so much attention to obama because um we we have not seen uh, people who've reached his stature yeah. as immersed in pop culture as he is. But as you said in the intro to this whole discussion, you know, he's he's already so immersed in pop culture in yeah. so many ways. He already has Emmys. He already has, um, you know, uh, accolades and it's already produced. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the three movies that Higher Ground has executive produced this past year, they're all up for major awards. Higher Ground it's is, not just is like Obama's production company. Yeah. But yes. yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not as if he's just uh, executive producing things that are passion projects for kind of, you know, hey, let's pay attention to the environment and let's eat our broccoli while we watch television. These are there are things that have a voice, like a very specific that kind are of, serious know. contenders yeah. for major true. awards and that are on the cutting edge of pop culture. So I don't understand why it's so hard to imagine yeah. that someone who is like that is also in the cutting edge of pop culture and everything they consume. And he yeah. talks about, when you ask him about these um, works, he talks about them in a way that, that makes it hard to doubt that he hasn't actually consumed them all and actually likes them all. Yeah, no, um, hey, my my apologies to Barack Obama, who's probably firing up the rap caviar playlist as we speak, checking out like the new arrivals on the playlist. Uh, Jennifer, I want to talk about something that is complicated about all of this, which is there is a cultural weight, right, of making onto these playlists uh, and then these lists. Some of it is positive, right? There's a glow of like, hey, I got the Obama publicity. That's really lovely. There are also people who don't want to be associated with Barack Obama. Like, yes, yes, way. Yes, he's, a, you know, but he's he's very famous. But also, he's still a former president of a superpower. He massively expanded the U.S. drone program. When he put Boy Genius in his summer playlist last summer, uh, Lucy Dacus quote tweeted it with the caption, War Criminal and Sad Face. How does that land for you? Um, You know, I think it's, it's to be expected. Like you said, he he's 
like part of the reason people are tuning in to these lists are because they know him. And part yeah. of the reason they know him is because of his political career. Yeah. Um, I did notice that Boy Genius did not make it onto his end of the year list after yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think these lists are intended to make him seem like, you know, whether it's intention, like how intentional it is or not, I can't say for sure, but True. more down to earth, more likable, you know, he always captions them like, let me know what else I should listen to. Like, this is like a guy you can talk to, you know, yeah. and that goes both ways. Like if he's opening it up to conversation, like I'm this approachable sort of cultural figure, then there are going to be people who want to respond by saying like, actually there are like criticisms that I mm -hmm. have of you. Yeah. And Lucy wasn't the only one. I think when Ethel Kane made it on the 2022 list yeah. with American teenager, like responded with surprise because um, like Ethel felt like this song was like an anti-war, anti-patriotism song. It was just like, it's interesting that a former president put this on a list. Um, and even like outside of like the artists or people who are on the list themselves, I feel like I see every year, like some viral tweets of just, you know, non-famous yeah. people on social media reacting. Like, I don't really, I don't like seeing these lists um, because he's done X, Y, Z that I feel has been harmful. Yeah, it's, and those normally go pretty viral. It's, I mean, this is it. It's, it's tough to, I think, square the two of them. Eric, what about you? Where do you land on this idea? Well, you know, I, part of me thinks, you know, th this notion that, I mean, we, <clears throat> part of being living in a representative democracy is that you're not going to agree with everything the president does. Sure. Um, and and being on a list where the president says, "I like your song." shouldn't be seen as the president saying you agree with me politically or you agree with everything I did when I was president. Mm -hmm. um, you know, part of it, I think, is a reflection of the times where we we have some presidents who are quite quite propagandistic in their use of, of um, you know, platforms like these and, and will try to co-opt artists and make it seem as if those artists support them politically. But I don't think that's what Barack Obama is doing. Uh, and, and frankly, I think some of that is a little, um, um, I, you know, it, it, it strikes me as a little rude, a little improper, whatever. I mean, if you want to criticize Obama, that's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but the guy's just saying he liked your song. Right. And if he's and, and if he's expansive enough to like a song where the message part of it is critical of him. Uh, you know, frankly, we should be supporting that and celebrating that and saying, you know, we want leaders who are big enough to say, you know, I like this song, even though it's critical of something that I did. And if there's any president who's capable of of, of doing that, I think it would be Barack Obama, um, hmm. who's who's been willing to acknowledge criticisms and talk with critics uh, and not invalidate them. And again, we're in a political moment where it seems to be really hard for for some other politicians to do that. Uh, so That's so uh, so, I, you know, I would just suggest that we all sort of take a breath and sort of understand that saying that you'd like somebody's song doesn't mean that you're saying they endorse your politics or that they or that the person who likes your song endorses all of your politics. Uh, Obama as a cultural force, as a tastemaker, as a force in Hollywood. I, you know, that that tells us that so much of our world right now is changing in terms of the way that, you know, certain voices get elevated. Eric, Jennifer, I want to say thank you for being here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Jennifer Zahn is a culture writer for Vulture based in Obama's hometown of Chicago. Eric Deggins is NPR's TV critic. He was in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye, so long, farewell, all I'll be. I'm Alameen Abdul-Mahmoud. This is Commotion. That song is one of Barack Obama's favorite songs right now. Also one of my favorite songs right now. That's The Returner from Montreal's own Alison Russell. That track appeared on Obama's 2023 playlist, the one that we just talked about. And that endorsement capped off a really big year for Alison Russell. Okay, she, uh, she picked up four Grammy nominations. She got to perform with Joni Mitchell. But here's the thing. When you look at best of 2023 lists, from the biggest publications, Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, Stereogum, and Ami in the UK, you're not going to find Allison's record on there. In fact, you're barely going to find any Canadians on any of them. Michael Barkley, the veteran music journalist, wrote about this. He asked a big question. Are we slipping back into 1990s Tragically Hip era where only Canadians care about Canadian bands? Michael's here to talk about this. Michael, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm happy that you're here. Listen, in 2022, you put out a book called Hearts on Fire. It looked at how Canadian music blew up in the U.S. and Europe in the 2000s, thanks to indie artists like Peaches, Arcade Fire, Broken Social Scene. And that moment ended up being kind of the warm-up for the 2010s when we had Drake, The Weeknd, Justin Bieber dominate everywhere. These days, you're getting the sense that, you know, there's a bit less love for Canadian music abroad. At what point did you notice that change starting to happen? I think first I want to clarify, I'm talking about critically. I'm talking about the, yes. the lists. Like yeah. I think Canadians continue to be very successful and we can point to many examples. So I'm just going to focus on the niche, navel-gazing music <laughs> critics that nobody pays attention to anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and Canadians were all but invisible. Like it was very rare to, to see Canadians in those kind of discussions. Yeah. Um, and then my book was about a time when that definitely changed. But I'd say at least the last five years or so, it feels like things have dropped. I mean, the the early 2000s, you had the artists you mentioned, your arcade fires, broken social scenes, feist, um, you know, but a whole bunch of other ones, new pornographers, stars, caribou, yeah. Tegan and Sarah, everywhere on all those kinds of lists, very big critical favorites. Um, and a lot of those people benefited from early online culture. Um, right. And then that led to... The next wave of online culture, like if you look at Drake and Bieber and The Weeknd, those were all um, surprise online success stories. That's they right. all leveraged uh, kind of social media at that time to really uh, do do an end run around the mainstream industry and, and, and be successful. That's a good point. We forget about the social media origins of those artists for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now we just think of them, oh, they're just major corporate entities. But it's yeah. like, no, those were like totally like word of mouth Tumblr. <laughs> like, the Weeknd was a Tumblr artist. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, t- to me, that's why those people are an extension of the people I talked about, even though so many things are different about them. But, but I mean, if you look at recently, I just feel like there's, um, you know, what we call memory hole, like, oh, that record came out eight months ago. It feels like five years ago. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of someone like Orville Peck, uh, yes. like in 2022, great record came out early in the year, you know, lots of attention, sold lots of tickets, amazing live show. I didn't see that record on any year end list in 2022. And yeah. last year, Last year was an anomaly where, where the Toronto band always did extremely well. Like they were in like top five of many lists. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that is the anomaly. And a couple of years earlier, the weather station did that. A couple of years before that, the uh, U.S. girls did that. But I feel like in general, Canadians are not part of those those critical discussions anymore. Again, not to say that Canadians are not commercially successful. They are. But, but it's not – I mean, it's one thing to have this feeling, but you did data work for this. I mean, you crunched the numbers, specifically looking at 2023. What, tell us a little bit about the methodology and what you actually found out. So I just – I looked at a lot of lists, and there's a, a friend of mine um, who, who also uh, helpfully provided me with a lot of links. Yeah. But they're the ones I read regularly, like you know The Guardian or Pitchfork or NPR or, or these kinds of lists and of many others. Um, and I actually found out – when I initially wrote the piece on, in my newsletter, um, I was all like, oh, things, things are terrible in 2023. But it actually wasn't too bad compared to, say, 2019, where there was nobody. Oh, wow. I didn't see any Canadians at all. So oh, this wow. year, there were a couple of, of random things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I tracked this year, I looked at 21 lists from US and UK, and there were only four artists that appeared on more than three lists, and they were not who I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the top one, the one that appeared the most and usually near the bottom, but still was, um, Katrina, which is the duo and arguably not Canadian, but it's a duo of K-Trinata. Montreal, yeah. Katrinata from Montreal and the Portland, Oregon rapper, uh, Emine. So that's 50% Canadian. So <laughs> yeah. is I, that a Canadian record? I, would the Junos agree? Would, uh, you know, factor agree? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't imagine that they would. Listen, I mentioned Alison Russell off the top. Who are some other Canadian artists you expected to see on this year's list but didn't? Well, the big one for me was Daniel Caesar. I mean, it's... Right. Daniel Caesar is not an obscure name. No. Uh, you know, like he gets Grammy nominations. He played the, the arena in Toronto, the Raptors arena. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he plays amphitheaters, uh, he, you know, and critics do love him and write about him. But uh, I, I saw him on only a couple of lists and, again, not very close to the top. Um, maybe because there's so much competition in that genre, like R and B is very much an American genre, and maybe there's only room for the weekend. I I have no idea. Um, and then on uh, kind of the other side of the spectrum, uh, Feist, uh, who shows up in my book, yeah, um, uh, got rave reviews for a new record, especially for her live show. Um, but she rarely showed up on these lists, although she was appeared on a couple. Um, someone like Jeremy Dutcher, I thought you know, a, a unique artist in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and little glimmers, but really not much. And then Debbie Friday, who won the Players Prize, uh, did make the, one of the New York Times critics stop. I was going to say that was only on one list, at Lindsay's Olas list. That's right. Um, yeah. So uh, right now we're going to hear from one Canadian band that turned up the most on international year-end lists. And it is not a group that you and I would have ever guessed. I'm awake. I'm awake, Michael. I'm up. I'm up. I'm up and an alert. That is Toronto's own two mold, who are a very big deal in the death metal world, according to you, pal, because I didn't really, I was not familiar with 
Uh, Too Mold, I am. Now, they're a Canadian band who turn up the most um, on the best of 2023 lists from top music sites, like including Pitchfork, NPR, and Bandcamp. Uh, Michael, we got maybe like a couple of minutes here. What does it say about this moment in Canadian music that this niche band like Too Mold is getting on the same list that more popular artists like Feist once were? Well, I think that it's... Um... It speaks to the diversification of, of genre. I mean, critics tend to like look more far field. You've got this weird push and pull. Like on the one hand, it's like consensus world where it's like every list had SZA, every list had Boy Genius, every yeah. list had Lana Del Rey. But then the long tail after that gets really long, <laughs> and really <laughs> obscure and pretty random. Yeah. And uh, too mold or, you know, it's not my area of expertise, but the people who love that kind of music hold them up like this is exemplary. This is like, the most creative artist in this genre. So that helps break it through in the same way that, you know, someone like uh, a caribou might make it on lists of people who don't listen to a lot of electronic music, you know? Right. And, but that hurts someone like maybe Charlotte Cardin, who's, mm. who's operating in a very crowded field for mainstream attention. Right. Um, but I mean, there are no normal trajectories anymore. I mean, one of my favorite stories of last year was the beaches, right? Yes. Toronto band, 10 years on a major label, they get dropped. They then put out the best album they've ever made. Like every track on that record is great. Yeah. And they become a, a TikTok sensation, millions of views. Yeah. And that's a song they actively tried to make go viral and were failing <laughs> until they just posted this very normal looking, here I am in the studio <laughs> singing the song. And that's what blows up. Like, So how do you predict that? And now they're selling out venues across the US and Europe, Yeah, mind you, but they're not on these critics lists. So again, do critics matter? Like, does, does this discussion even matter but you know the beaches <laughs> it matters to, to me, me the beaches, pal. yeah the beaches should be there right next to olivia rodrigo on these lists because it's the same caliber to me well michael we got to leave it there but i appreciate your time man thank you so much for being here and talking about these thank lists you. thank you thanks for your time we could go on we sure could michael barclay <laughs> is an author a music journalist in toronto for more on his thoughts on canadian music check out his recent book hearts on fire and you can subscribe to his Substack newsletter airplane on a highway my name is alamin abdul mahmoud this show is called commotion Hey, we're going to do this again tomorrow. So if you've got time, squeeze us in. We'll be here. See you then. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.